with just a couple of stories. Just a couple of sort of things to that kind of to that I'll kind of start with. Get us get us started. Okay. Yeah, just to kind of see, I guess conceptually, with this concept. Oh, okay, that's good. Um, okay, so thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. We've done a lot of these. Um, in the last ones, we talked about density, yep. three episodes. But even some of the ones before that, we talked about downtowns. So we spent a lot of time talking about downtowns. Right. And just a lot of different elements of them with um, economic development and revitalization and density. And so I was looking at this book, and we'll let you talk a little bit about the book in a minute. But it's a book that you contributed to called Design Downtown for Women and men will follow. Right. And so I thought this was kind of perfect fit for what we've been talking about with downtowns because even looking at the book, it's just the the back of it talks about things we talked about. Downtown is the heart and soul of every city, yeah. uh, but they've failed to achieve their full potential. We talked about that in the last Absolutely. episode, even yeah. with, with talking about market share. And this talks about sort of that experience though, and something we, we haven't really talked so much about, and what's that experience for women? being the, you know, their their desires and needs and being the most important demographic for a downtown to succeed. And so it made me think of a couple of things that, that not specifically downtowns, well, one is sort of downtown, but it's not about the overall downtown experience, but it's, it's maybe the same, similar concept. And, but the concept that design downtown for women and men will follow. And so I remember, it must be 20 years at least, um, of a friend of ours, an acquaintance, uh, someone we both know, got hired and was doing some economic development work in downtown Miami. Okay. And I remember him telling me that he was meeting with the, the manager or either the bar manager or the hotel manager of the Holiday Inn that was downtown uh, close to the river. Got it, yeah. And, and I remember meeting him at that bar once. And this, this title of this book reminded me of it because he told me that the conversation he had with the bar manager was sort of this, well, he was trying to figure out how to get more business to the bar at the Holiday Inn. Right. And so they were kind of brainstorming about that. And he's like, well, what do you have? I mean, it's, a, you know, it's, not, a, it's not a South Beach club. It's a generic Holiday Inn bar. bar. And finally the manager said, well, you know what I have? I have stewardesses. This is where all the stewardesses are staying. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, that's a way to get the men to follow. Right. And then the other thing it reminded me of is, you know, 25 years ago back when, when I was younger and living in South Beach and working in South Beach, it just reminded me of the clubs. It's that same concept. Absolutely. You know, if you're a single man if you're lucky enough to get past the velvet rope in one of the clubs, you're paying. Yes. If you show up with a woman on your arm, you're still going to have to pay, but you're going to get in. Show up with two women on your arm, you're definitely getting you're, in. You're, you're getting pushed to the front of the line, right? Definitely. Yeah, and so it was that, you know, and so it made me think about even even just at that level, they're, you know, they're not just designing, but they're operating. Right. They're operating under that sort of concept that that then this that's that's more about the public realm and the the, the overall downtown experience is talking about so 
Right. And, and, you know, for a club environment, it has a certain kind of connotation to it, which is, you know, people are trying to meet each other and, right. you know, that kind of thing. But even uh, in a broader sense for downtowns, um, the way I like to describe it is um, men don't like to hear this, but, you know, the decisions that get made about where to go and spend time and money um, even if you're part of a group or part of a couple or whatever, that place decision, which is a go or no go kind of decision, right. is, you know, men don't have a veto so much, but women always have a veto and they use it extensively because they don't want to go someplace where they don't feel safe enough right. or they don't feel comfortable or even if they just don't like it. Right. Um, but there is a, you know, there is a, there's a market dynamic and there's a decision tree dynamic um, that women have the majority of influence over. And it really is about, you know, if you're gonna pick where, where to buy a house, you know, and, and the statistics prove this out. And, and there's something that a lot of people call the she economy and that basically says, you know, 80% plus of decisions are, you know, made or strongly influenced by women uh, on any kind of level of purchase, including cars, which, was one that surprised me at one point in time. Um, right. But the, so the truth is, if in fact you have an offering, a place offering, I'll call it, um, that is attractive enough and feels comfortable enough and safe enough for women, um, they're going to lead. And the truth is, most of the time they're deciding whether or not they're whether or not a group or a couple is going to go there as well. And so the follow part is, yeah, kind of true. Um, but the, the fact is um, the men don't want to be places that are dead and places that don't have women in them typically are dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it kind of it's it's almost just a, a further level of, you know, when I talk about economic development, we talk about, you know, at the end of the day, we're creating places people want to be. Right. And that's what you're doing, whether it's a private business or public space and, and the, right. the public realm. And that we can do all the analysis we want, and we can look at market data. We can look at Yelp reviews if we're going to a restaurant. Right. We can look at crime stats when we're buying a home. Right. But even no matter how good all of those numbers look, when you pull up in front of that restaurant, if you're just not feeling it, you're just not feeling it. And this is sort of right. reinforces and, and, and gets even deeper into, I guess, that decision tree. It is. I mean, and and what what has been a challenge, and still is in many places, is what we think that decision tree is versus what it really is, right? right. So we we have a tendency in our society to think it's about crime statistics and police presence, and that's not really necessarily what it's. And if you read the book. You know, it talks about cleanliness. It talks about bathrooms. It talks about, you know, comfortable seating. Um, I talk a lot about um, a concept I call safe enough and varying safety thresholds, which means what's safe enough for Kevin and Ken may not be safe right. enough for my 30-something daughter or even, you know, a 20-something young woman um, or my mom. It's going to be different depending on your target market. And if you don't pay attention to that, you're never going to get your place to safe enough to get their time and money. Right. Um, and so it, it's an important part of it. There are, are lots of factors that go into it, but I like to think about a few that are really what I call kind of bottom of the pyramid choices. 
and and like the some of the first choices in the decision tree is it is it interesting is one right is it going to meet one of my whatever my need is uh, but the third one is is it is it going to be safe enough and and those are early decisions about where to spend your time and money that we have a tendency to ignore even in our marketing and our market research and those kinds of things so we try to get after that right so it seems yeah, and I, I was thinking about these just in the context of the other sort of pieces of our approach. Right. And, you know, when we talk about, like, the some of the, the three most important things that we talk about a lot with quality life yep. and creating that place are those connections people have to their community. Right. Which the top three are the aesthetics and how it looks, uh, looks and feels, <clears throat> the social offerings, the opportunities to engage with one another. Yes. Absolutely. And then how open and welcoming the place is. Right. And and there's safety is an important component of all three of those. It's it's yeah, it's woven into all of that. And and the truth is, you know, we feel the least safe when we feel isolated. Now you can be isolated in a crowd, but you know, gra- parking garages, for example, you know, you know, we talk about lighting and all those other kinds of things, and I always try to remind people, look, it's fine, your lighting's good, everything else. But if I'm in there and, you know, I feel like if I scream, nobody's going to hear me or respond, then I'm isolated. It's not safe for me. And so having other people around is actually what creates the safety. People that we feel will help us if we're in need. Um, and so kind of what you were just talking about, that, that ability to interact and, and those kinds of things. Right. It's, it's sort of, it makes me think that some of the approach when you're thinking about safety is not so much is how do you well I think about it with economic development I think about it with my time in Miami Beach yeah. and in the 17 years I was there doing economic development we never had a standalone economic development plan and we've obviously we have a lot of clients and we, we write these economic development plans but right. one of the things we write in there is is look for the ways that we integrate that economic development plan into their citywide strategic plan right. and into everything that they do because when we did it in Miami Beach that's how we did it is you know I was part of you know the I guess the leadership team for our yeah. citywide strategic yeah. plan and we built economic development in throughout everything we did it was yeah. it was done that and yeah. and even my last few years there the city manager even reorganized and changed economic development from being a department and moved me and the economic development function into the city manager's office as a function from the city manager's office rather than being this separate department. And so it's it, what you were describing there sounds like, right. you know, you, you have to think almost everything that you're doing, start thinking of it with, with right. a, a safety sort of mindset or a, a, a context, this, have this, the context of safety as part of what it, you do. It's, it's a perspective, yeah. Sort of the way that resiliency is now becoming something that people start thinking of no matter what discipline they're working in how do we incorporate right resiliency isn't just for your water and sewer engineers right Right. and safety is not just for your police department right so you know we write these community safety action plans and one of the one of the best quotes that I got back from a client one time about it was okay Ken I think I understand this is all hands on deck Right? So everybody has a role to play when it comes to real and perceived safety. And, and one of the challenges is people don't understand what that role might be for them. If they're a planner or uh, someone who runs events or, you know, I had an interesting conversation one time with a historic preservation person. And 
walk them through the things that they can do to actually help with this. And they were like, at the end of it, they were like, wow, I never really thought about it that way. And so that's part of what we help people understand. Right, right. Yeah. Well, kind of on that, I guess, when we, and you're right, safety is more than just what police do. Absolutely. But I think that in most people's minds, when they think of safety, police is the first place they go. I think even pros in our field, you know, when right. we think about redevelopment, you know, because we're not safety experts. You know, a CRA manager is not an expert in safety really at all. And so it seems like a lot of the times when we look at CRAs at redevelopment agencies and state law in Florida lets CRAs use their tax increment revenue for what in the statute says community policing innovations. Correct. But I think that a redevelopment, most, most people that they're not in that field and so they don't really know what that means. What is that? So you ask your police department and a lot of times the answer to the, that you get is the community innovation, the innovative community policing that you need is overtime. Is more police. And that's, and that's what we see. Yes. Uh, but are there some examples that, and obviously police have the role and police are an important part of our Absolutely. public safety and, and, and our economic development, our quality of life. But are there some other things, best practices or things that, that you've worked on in other, in some of the places that with your, with your safety action plans, I think that's what it's called? Community safety action Community plans. Community safety action plans. That's what that, that that enhance and go beyond just that that policing role, but into really getting it back to what we what we say, creating it as a real place that people want to be, because right. because having too many police <laughs> doesn't make it a place you want to be either. That, no, not typically. Sometimes actually that is what's needed, but yeah. you know it uh, and and it it's a custom solution, right? But the the truth is that. Um, the 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 marketplace is driven by perceptions of safety, not actual safety, right? So that decision tree we talked about earlier, my decision about whether or not to spend time on South Beach right now um, is driven by my perception of the safety, not the actual safety. And the police departments will talk about perceptions and I think they truly want to impact perceptions, uh, but rarely measure them. And so, um, and you know, CRAs and even downtown organizations, um, unfortunately are not particularly good at this. And so we try certain things and we talk about all the efforts we've made to improve perceptions, but we don't actually measure or even uh, kind of figure out how to track what's really working. And again, what's really working depends on your age, your gender, your background, your familiarity with urban environments, all those different things. We know this, the research is very clear on this. Um, and so one, I would say that one of the best practices that we bring to our clients and to the communities where we help them with this is make the shift to think and talk about perceptions. And I think people will get a little nervous about that sometimes that, well, no, 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 we really have to really pay attention to real crime. We can't ignore real crime. And I, you know, 
And my response is always, no, of course not. Always pay attention to real crime. It's the first thing we do is to understand what's really going on versus what the perceptions might be. And oftentimes, and there's some really good research around this, when a place has had challenges around real crime and perception, after the real crime gets fixed, the, the negative perception lingers because no one's really managing the perception. And it's a, it's a we call it a brand attribute. Um, Go ahead. Well, and that's that's what I one of the notes that I made okay. was about that because we recently I'm not going to name where, but we recently right. worked in a place uh, that we partnered, and and that was one of the things that you mentioned. Right. And I guess how do you overcome the I guess institutional challenge yeah. of redeploying your resources when that happens? Because it's it's you know once you start putting money, program money towards addressing the real crime and safety issue, whether it's overtime or toys or whatever it is, once the real crime issue is addressed but the perception and the reputation is not, how do you... The tendency is to double down on what you were doing, right? Yeah, so yes. how do you pull back and, and, and reevaluate and reposition, redeploy your resources to deal with that <laughs> reputational thing? Because I think you're right. I think, and that was the other question I had for you, the, another thing that happened in Miami Beach was we, at one point, we made a big improvement in, we had a horrible reputation for being bureaucratic, anti-business, right. having development processes that drag on forever, and they really did. Right. And and we made some real improvements in some of those processes of yes. getting your permit and stuff. But I remember having a conversation with a, with a commercial real estate broker who did a lot of national tenant type work. Okay. And he mentioned two or three businesses, retailers, who had looked at the beach and decided to go elsewhere on the mainland. And he told me that it was the permitting process was the reason. And I said to him, I said, you know, we fixed that. I said, we fixed that like two or three years ago. And his comment was, well, nobody believes it. Right. And so there, there are a couple of things that you have to understand. What you're talking about is a brand repositioning there. And in the case of the building department, it's an organizational brand repositioning. And if you aren't intentional about that, it doesn't just happen, right? And the same goes for safety. Um, when you've had that kind of problem, if you are not you know, measuring whether or not you're making progress, we talked about that already, and thinking about what it is that actually impacts those perceptions. Uh, beyond police presence, and there's some research that tells you that that doesn't actually have much of an impact because it's so sporadic. Um, but we know that the physical environment is a big, big impact on people's perceptions, and that's day and night and uh, has to do with something that uh, we call territoriality that comes out of crime prevention vernacular from crime prevention through environmental design. But it's really about what are the indicators of care and concern that you see when you're in that community? And it can be a lot of different things. We look a lot at public art, uh, colorful flowers, uh, manicured lawns. Um, interestingly enough, front yard fences can communicate that. But if you think about you know, the places you go where you really feel super comfortable, um, you will begin to notice what's there that says, someone cares about this place and if something goes wrong, they're probably gonna come out of their house and help me kind of thing, right? Or out of their business and help me. Um, so that's certainly one of them. But even the way that you activate places and who you activate those places for. So we talk a lot about events um, with our clients. 
And one of my favorite, there's two, two favorite kinds of events that I like to, to advise my clients about. One is after dark events for young children. And the other is events for people and their dogs. <laughs> and both of those are, you know, the, the children and the dogs are very protected groups, right? So people don't let bad things happen around their kids or their dogs. And so if they're there, then that's an indicator to others that, well, there's a bunch of kids here. This must be a safe place. Um, there's a bunch of people with their dogs of all sizes and everything else, and everybody's really protective of them. So it must be a pretty good safe. So there's a lot of different things that are physical environment, but also activity-based um, that are important to help you communicate those things. And you just have to get really intentional about them. And back to your resources question, um, what we find is that people are already doing events, right? People are already, you know, looking at their physical environments, they're spending money on landscaping, they have uh, design guidelines for what things look like, but they aren't integrating these kinds of solutions about safety perceptions into them most of the time, 90% of the time is what we find. And so you don't need new resources, you actually just need a different lens, you need a different perspective, and you just have to understand that this is something that's really fundamentally important that you got to do. The last part of this is, um, and this is kind of the third prong in what we do, is, and, and this is a challenge for a lot of nonprofits and governments, is there really is a strategic communications component if you want to reposition a brand or even an attribute of a brand. And you have to be incredibly thoughtful about it. Um, and we talk a lot about indirect messages when it comes to safety. And I, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, would a, would a mall manager say or do that, right? And we could say lifestyle center now, it used to be malls, but um, you know, would a lifestyle manager actually say that? You know, if you're working as a downtown person, would they actually hold a march? <laughs> um, no, they wouldn't because they're paying very close attention to the place brand perception of their property. Well, downtowns have to do the same thing. That's, yeah, and even in our density conversation, we talked about that, about how, you know, mall managers and, and the sort of the retail shopping center industry out more in suburbia yeah. have been able to do things because we haven't done them in our downtowns and how right. they're able to, you know, they're, they're able to move quicker and they're able to respond quicker. They are. But they're very market responsive right. when we're always, not always market responsive. And I think even less so when we think about safety in our right. downtowns. We're, being market responsive in the context of safety is not something I think comes to mind a lot when we when we talk about you know in some of our downtowns and in economic no, development. And, and, and it's I mean and and again we know that downtowns you know multiplicity of ownership you've got multiple you know organizations at play and everything else and it's not impossible to get better at it but it is difficult mm -hmm. and so you need really strong leadership that understands the importance of doing this. Um, but sometimes it's just people just need to be educated that, look, you just need to go at this a little bit differently. You know, if you're going to have your police chief talking about safety, here are some ways that they really need to be thoughtful about not just protecting their organizational brand, which is they have to. I get that. Um, but also protecting the place brand and positioning the place brand. Some, you know, officials do that instinctively. It's really great to watch them because they always go there. Um, they're always protecting the place brand because they understand the value of that. But a lot of them are, are don't. Right. Um, and so you know that's just that's just part of what 
you know, we, we know we have to get our clients to understand and begin to, th to think about. And we write plans for them. We actually give them very specific instructions. We talk to a lot. Of, some of them actually need crisis communications plans around safety because they still have real problems. Um, and if they're on their second or third strike, it could be a really devastating thing to recover from. So a couple of the th other things that are up. One is 